up with Toy and welcome once again to the Game Fan of Big Audio, the show they back up a con. This is your host, Mark Torres speaking. This week's show, I'm going solo because we have a holiday stuffed episode with interviews and segments. We have our very own Jenny Feldy doing an interview with author Brooke Jones. We have another Jay Bird and Lee segment. Our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, has an interview at the Huracan with the creator of the Huracan, David Donovan. And for the new film, This Game's Called Murder, Jen has an interview with the writer, director, and producer, Adam Sherman, as well as cast members Natasha Hentridge and Vanessa Morano. Before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the non-news. It's more time! Non-news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention, which is the Big Apple Trading Card Show, is scheduled for January 29th of 2022. Tickets are on sale right now. And I want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Girl, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Music Famous Dresden Media, Owen Chikung, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, Yasmin Array, and Rosa. You want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.camefamilia.com. It's our brand-new website. And go to the Donate button, and on there you can see the link for the Patreon. And just for your dollar a month, you can get a shout-out on our show. Or if you're so inclined, you can also buy us a virtual pizza. That button's also there on our new website. So with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Game Fun Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. This month at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Get ready for the Marvel event Devil's Reign. And from DC Comics comes Justice League Incarnate. And from Image Comics and the mind of Todd McFarlane, it's Spawn Scorched number one. All December at Cosmic Comics, you get the gift of 10% off your purchase when you say Hurricane at checkout. Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is open Wednesday from noon to 8, Thursday from 2 to 7, Saturday and Sunday from noon to 5. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin, located at 846 Merrick in Baldwin, New York. Call us at 516-763-1133. Happy holidays from Cosmic Comics. This is Quentin Flynn, a popular voice actor known for Axel, Tamon, uh, and Raiden from the Metal Gear series. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Stick around. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today we're going to talk about the classic movie, Napoleon Dynamite. That's right, Napoleon Dynamite. Mm -hmm. The movie starring John Hader and John Grease. Um, You know what it's about? Do you remember watching it? Well, yeah, I remember watching it. Do you know what it's about? Uh... (laughs) Oh, come on. You just saw the thing. (laughs) <laughs> um, so it's a I don't know. He just—he was, was trying to get a girl. Was he trying to get a girl? girl? <laughs> Who's trying to get yes. a girl? What do you mean, Napoleon? Napoleon? That's what. Oh, and yeah, the dancing scene. The dancing scene. <laughs> this is, makes no sense. What you're saying whatsoever. The dancing scene <laughs> and, and tries to get a girl. 
he was just being a high school kid trying to like he's just an awkward high school kid that was um met a friend right named pedro yeah oh my god then he won the Oh my God! Vice president. Of he was the running for president thing. for yeah. school, but basically, it was about this kid and his family life, right? His weird mm-hmm. brother who was online dating. Yeah. Right, and how he wanted to, well, how Napoleon wanted to just like, I don't, I don't even know what he wanted to do. It was just kind of like he was just existing in a way, and yeah. kind of ate steak. <laughs> there was a lot of stake involved, yes. I mean, is this a movie that you can explain better or no. not really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it is a classic film. It's a, I guess it's almost like a cult classic because when it first came out, nobody knew what it was. And it became like this kind of... Do they know what it is now? Well, yeah, because it became a phenomenon. It would be like this whole thing. So Napoleon Dynamite, right? And his friend, Pedro, right? It was Pedro running for president. And they get shirts. Vote for Pedro. And everybody had those shirts. Oh, yeah. Like, if you were out on the street, somebody would be like, vote for Pedro. Like, that would be, like, a whole thing. What? You're speechless? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why? Why? Because they thought the movie was funny. And you would be, like, in the know if you kind of were, like, vote for Pedro. Mm. You know, the guy, like, put tater tots in his pants, and he, it was just, like... I mean, I could say, like, facts about the movie, but I can't... I don't know the plot, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing. Like, the plot was really about this kid, a coming-of-age story, how he was, like, kind of an awkward kid who kind of stayed awkward, but started to branch out and meet people. And yeah. And actually come into his own as a person a little bit. He's a very weird person. He's a very weird person, <laughs> yes. You know, he was a strange guy who was just trying to, like, better himself a little bit, you know? I can't believe his brother, though. Like, how they, how the brother wound up uh, actually dating the online girl person, and they actually got married. Yeah, that was like, hilarious. I was like, how on earth would she settle for... For, for this guy Yeah But love is blind As they say Right Online, Look I mean the computer That he used Was like the box computer It wasn't a laptop It wasn't like It was like the old school 90's kind of Or too early 2000's Type computer Where mm-hmm. it wasn't like As thin as it was today As it is today Yeah And online Was not like All these apps And all these Chat rooms I mean there were chat rooms Because you had like AOL And that was yeah. kind of like You know A whole thing But you know, people got to know each other through these, like, small communities. And, you know, people who were on the computer at that time, you know, it was very early stages. People were just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Not like today when you're born with practically a phone <laughs> in your hand. You're not wrong. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, so would you say, like, this is... And it's a high school movie. It's, a, you know... Did they have a dance? I don't remember. There was... A, no, they had a dance. They did have a dance? The, yeah, they had a dance. Yeah. Uh, I think that was for... Uh, oh yeah, they had the, I don't know. right. They had the dance, and he yeah. met this girl that was actually also quirky, right? The girl that they met was like a photographer and mm-hmm. a salesman for like some kind of products I for what. like Girl Scout stuff, and like I guess hair uh, ties and uh, chokers, things like that. Just like jewelry made out of plastic. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just like door to door kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. would you recommend this movie? Yeah. Kind of? It's kind of. It's okay. If you want to see something weird, I guess. I guess if you want to, like, get... Just... I don't know. If you want to be confused, sure. Confused? (laughs) I don't even think it was confusing. It wasn't confusing. It was just... 
It was an awkward slice. It was okay. I, I don't know. I consider. I didn't it. love it. Yeah, all right, but it was an awkward slice of Americana. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. So I guess you didn't love it. So. No. <laughs> all right, but that was what we would consider a cult classic of a comedy. That was an independent film and mm. just very like strange. And it did take off. There were a lot of people who would always talk about, um, you know, yeah, the tater tots and you know, just kind of like all these weird things. Like, geez, you know, that would be like yeah. one of his lines. But anyway, it's. Um, <laughs> All right, off to the next film. (laughs) (laughs) Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, Radioheads. I'm Jenny Feldy here with Brooke Jones, the author of this book, Why Are There Monkeys and Other Questions for God? So I truly enjoyed this book. I loved it. I am terrified of flying, and it helped to get me through a flight from Florida the other day while I was shaking, and I cried on both flights. So thanks for providing some distraction and comfort and meaning, because I was thinking about the meaning of life while I thought I might die. So here we are with the author, Brooke Jones. She's been on the radio for 30 years. Um, Could you just sum up what, what this book is about for future readers? I highly recommend this book. Well, thank you for that. I certainly appreciate it. And thanks for inviting me, Jenny. This is very cool. Why are there monkeys and other questions for God? This book is a true story. I was 25 years old once upon a time, a long time ago, and I was a stupid 25 year old. And basically, I don't think 25 year olds come in any other variety. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I had a party and I did something really stupid and I overdosed and mm. I was legally dead for eight minutes. And this was back in 1975. And I'd never even heard of near-death experiences, never even heard the term. So when I found myself floating in what is now the iconic tunnel of light, I didn't know what was going on. And I found myself at the proverbial front door of heaven, even though I didn't see a door. And I had a question and answer session with God. And I didn't believe in God at the time that it happened. So it took a while for me to wrap my head around what was going on. But I was given undeniable proof that what I experienced actually happened. So I wrote it all down. And it's now a book called Why Are There Monkeys and Other Questions for God. And it's about the question and answer session I had with God in which I asked every question I could think of. And God actually gave me the answers. Yes. Very interesting. And uh, well, this will sound like I'm bragging, but I don't mean to brag, but it it happens a lot, which is why an ex-boyfriend used to call me Trump. Um, A lot of God's (laughs) answers are my answers to people and things I say. So uh, I guess I got a lot in common with, with the God that you met. (laughs) that was very interesting and I would say so you met God what was that like or should we just say read the book 
Uh, well, you know, I have seen a million interviews with authors who are asked questions and they say, well, read the book, right. which is frustrating to me because why did you do the interview if you were just going to yeah. but But it is know, a long answer, so just read the book. <laughs> yeah, it takes less than two hours to read this book because it is very short. And in July, it was Amazon's number one bestseller, which is wow. kind of cool. Oh, um, yeah. I I uh, forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> so you met God. What was that like? I mean, oh, it was many you. things. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, kind of a stupid question, but I thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> oh, it's a great question. And considering that I didn't believe in God when it first happened, it was pretty shocking to me. But the first thing I learned was that God has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I at first was sort of flabbergasted by that. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Um, have you ever seen a platypus? Obviously, God has a sense of humor. Uh, And it also, I was really curious as to why I wasn't terrified. I never Mm -hmm. saw God. He would not, she, I use the word he, but not he, not she. And so I'm just using the word he because it's easier than he, she, they, them, both, neither. You know, it takes up less space. Um, I heard God's voice, but I didn't hear it with my ears. I like I was a tuning fork and every sound God made literally vibrated throughout Mm -hmm. my entire body and God laughs and God laughs a lot. Why wasn't I scared? I should have been terrified, shouldn't I? Well, I thought about that a lot when I came back and it occurred to me that if Robin Williams or Mr. Rogers could portray a loving, amusing, gentle, kind, father figure, certainly God could do that, couldn't Mm -hmm. he? What would be the purpose of God wanting to scare me to death? There's Mm -hmm. no upside to that. There'd be no reason for it. So I wasn't frightened because God wasn't frightening to Mm -hmm. me. And that actually makes sense to me. God is, in fact, a very loving spirit. The entire universe is made of the love that emanates from this, whatever you call it. He doesn't care what we call him either, by the way. I asked that question. That's yeah, that's my next question. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Allah, Yahweh, Jesus, Father, Lord, what do we call God? And mm-hmm. God's answer was, it doesn't make any difference. Man's name for me does not define me. You can call me whatever you like. Right. You may call me whatever you wish to call me. The name you choose is of no importance to me, which is often my answer when people say, oh, what's your name? I'll forget your name. I say, you can call me whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my name is. You call me Martha. I don't care. Really? Like, uh, So that's my next question. Uh, humans, I think, place too much importance on labeling themselves and others. So after meeting God, what things became less or more important to you? I think after, well, first of all, when I came back, I had to figure out how to live a life that was in harmony with everything that I learned. And that took a long time. And of course, the very first thing that I jettisoned from my life was any form of organized religion, because I learned very quickly when I asked God, you know, there's Judaism and there's Catholics and there's Protestants and there's Muslims and there's Hindus and the to what religion are you? And God said, I'm no religion. I said, well, which religion is the religion? And God said, "Uh, none of them. And then 
God said something really remarkable to me. God said, religion is a man-made concept that was created by men for the sole purpose of controlling other men. Mm-hmm. And religion has nothing to do with me, meaning God. Whoa, that, that was mind-boggling to me. So I came back and I learned, okay, if religion of any organized form has nothing to do with a relationship with God, then how do I live my life in harmony with all of that? And that took a long, long time. But now I am at the point where I actually recognize that God is everything. God is everywhere. God is in everything. You, me, this table, this computer, God is in all of it. We discussed creation and evolution, and he told me that they're not mutually exclusive. And to boil it all down into simple terms, everything that was created evolves. Mm-hmm. Everything that evolves was created, and they are not mutually exclusive. And as an example, he said, think about your own life. Before you were born, you were just a bunch of cells that were created by daddy sperm, mommy right. egg, got together, formed a fetus, you were born, and over the years you grew and became an adult human. That is an example of both creation mm-hmm. and evolution, and both of those exist. And God, the creator of everything, is in everything, just as an artist, a painter, for example, paint some of themselves in every picture that they paint. A writer, mm-hmm. some of themselves in everything they write. And no artist in the world will deny that. Therefore, mm-hmm. I see God in everything, in trees, in my dogs, in my cats, in absolutely everything. And that is probably the overriding change in me, mm-hmm. personally, that God is everywhere. And the a uh, very, very common Buddhist phrase, namaste, that means basically I recognize the um, spirit, the ultimate spirit in you. That applies to everyone and everything. And if all of us began to recognize that we are all made of God's love, if we realized that God is everywhere and that there is no Catholicism or Protestantism or Judaism or Islam, that there is only one God, no matter who you pray to, you're talking Mm -hmm. to the same being, perhaps there will be a whole lot less hatred in this world. Yeah, I've been following that for most of my life or all my life and been to church and temples and learned a bit from multiple religions, but I'm going to jump right to the end and go back to the middle. So at the very end, um, God seemed like God was kind of contemplating whether to let you back into the real world. It was kind of like, it seemed like in the book, Uh, but so don't, don't, don't give up the final question. Okay. Okay. Because how, how can, how can we serve God? Um, that's up to every individual human being. Um, and right. how you choose to serve God is about how you define your relationship with God and how you define the, whatever gifts you were given. And everybody has gifts and they are of all different sizes and shapes and configurations, but everybody has them. And I would, if I had to say, how can we all serve God? I mm-hmm. would say, 
just accept that everybody that you meet is your brother or your sister, everybody without exception. Right. Definitely. My days go better when I have that mentality. And sometimes I forget, you know, I think as humans, maybe we're meant to forget. That's one theory, but we forget some things. And I think I forgot for like a week or two. And then I was like, no, we all can help each other. And my days just go better. I mean, my luck increases. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on karma after, after this encounter? Oh, well, do you believe I, in karma? Or? I absolutely believe in karma. And to not believe in karma is to deny physics because karma mm-hmm. is nothing more than a restating of the most fundamental laws of physics. That which goes around comes around. What mm-hmm. you get out, you get back. That, that's just the basic law of physics. Nothing happens of its own accord. Everything this is this is a causal universe we live in. Nothing happens by itself. And mm-hmm. even if don't understand the reason for something that doesn't mean that there isn't a reason right what you do what you give does come back to you and if you think about it in purely scientific terms we are made of energy we look like we're sitting still but we're not we're made of atoms every part of us is made of atoms everything you see is made of atoms and atoms don't sit still they mm-hmm. move they vibrate they have a frequency And every feeling that you have radiates outside of you to the environment. Your anger radiates at a certain frequency. Your love radiates at a certain frequency. And as you radiate whatever that emotion is, you are affecting the universe. You are Mm -hmm. affecting those immediately around you and those down the street and down the block and on the other side of the planet. You think that what can one person do? I'm just me. Well, every single human being can affect the entire world by Mm -hmm. just recognizing that what you do, what you say, what you think, what you feel does in fact have an effect on the environment and Mm -hmm. on the around you. So there's some meaning there. Um, So meaning, I think, well, society clearly has placed a lot of meaning on sex and mating. And I've also, I've often thought, and I think many of us have, what would my life look like? What would everyone's life look like if people didn't mate recreationally? So I'm going to quote your book. The human urge to mate has caused considerable problems over the years. So <laughs> any thoughts on if we took mating and sex out of the picture, what do you think this world would look like? Well, if we, if we took mating out of the picture, then minus would- reproduction, recreational mating. Okay. Yeah, um, recreational. So talking if there were no recreational. Yes. Um, I'd be a lot of frustrated people running around. I, assume. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think that we were given the urge to mate because we needed to make sure that the population was going to continue and that the human race wasn't going to die out. Mm-hmm. I know that when you add sexuality to a relationship, it dramatically changes the relationship. Mm -hmm. But that also is directly tied to the energy that's involved. It's a totally different form of energy that you are bringing into the relationship. And um, for those who are celibate, and there are millions who are, there's a great deal of energy in sexuality. Mm -hmm. If you are not sexually active, you have a great deal of energy to place somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And where to place it? It's up to you. But that right. energy, yeah. and it's a creative energy by its very nature. It's a creative energy. So you do with it what you choose. And if you choose wisely, 
you make this world a better place. And I have to tell you, I have received more emails from readers than I can count who have said, I was raised to believe that my God and my religion are the only God and the only true religion. And anybody who believes differently is a heathen who deserves damnation in the fire. That's a great marketing tactic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, after reading my book, they said to me, they now find it very difficult to deny their kinship with people of other religions. Yikes. Can you imagine what would happen if enough people actually read this book, mm -hmm. recognized that same reality? This world we live in that is so fueled by hatred could become a world that is filled with tolerance. Right. And there have been, I mean, centuries of killing in the name of God and people hating in the name of God. Well, if that stopped because people recognized that they are all brothers and sisters, that killing, that hatred might end mm -hmm. and the world would be a very different place, which is why I have said and readers have said, I hope this book becomes a huge bestseller because if it does, this world could be a much kinder place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm technically Jewish. My mom's Jewish, but it just never made sense to me from a very young age. I dropped out of Hebrew school. I think I went to two or three years because they say you're the chosen one. Now, I've always had friends of all different colors and I have a lot of male friends as a female and all different religions. I, I think it's very interesting. I'm just attracted to it. I'm attracted to different people. But uh, the chosen one, I'm like, the chosen one. So, so what happens? The Muslims are chopped liver. The Christians are chosen. Like, how could you walk around thinking you're chosen? What about, what about my friends? What about some of my favorite people? They're not chosen. How could I walk around thinking I'm chosen? Like, what? That's uh, to me, that's that's a crazy way of thinking. Question. Here's one question that all of those chosen people have failed to ask because they're afraid of the answer. What is it you were chosen for? Mm hmm. OK. Hmm. So, think about that. OK, you can be the chosen people if you want. Do you know what you were chosen for? Right. That's a good question. Exactly. We've got the answer. To that. You know, when you like that. back, let's talk. Now you're like God in the book. You're asking, answering questions with a question. Although I don't think he answered with questions, but he did answer them very mysteriously. Yes, intentionally, I believe, because he, she, they, them, both, neither wanted me to think. Mm -hmm. And that is an important part of being human. We were given a brain. We should use it. Definitely. Free will. We should choose how we act and we should make wise choices. And those choices should be based on how do we help one another? Mm -hmm. How do we act in a way that does not cause pain? How right. do we act in a way that shows compassion? How do we act in a way that helps those who need help? Mm -hmm. That's what free will is for. I'm convinced of it. Right. You can, as God told me, you can make whatever choice you want. I gave you free will. You're free to choose whatever action you like. I'm free to mete out some consequences. But go right ahead. Choose whatever you like. Mm -hmm. I choose now to make wiser choices than I made before. Right. When you know better, 
you do better. I guess my final question will be, or getting to the end. So I've always also been someone that questions authority. I've been raised probably from my dad and I've had family that has worked for the World Bank and CDC, et cetera, other institutions. So when you see and you hear from the people that run things in this world, it's hard to take things too seriously, at least for me. So, you know, you've been a big questioner of authority. Um, are there any authorities that you question more nowadays? I mean, 2020 and 2021 has been crazy. Or are there any things that you don't question? You say, nope, this is definitely something I trust. Uh, that's not an easy question. No, it's not. It's a, it's a very hard, long. And, and, and I can't answer it as quickly as you want me to, because there are things about me that are a little unusual, like the fact that I have experienced at least seven different things in my life that there is no excuse, there is no explanation for why I survived. Mm, that okay. I died and nobody, nobody has been able to tell me why I didn't, including mm. decapitation from the 1994 LA earthquake, which what? I didn't get decapitated only because a voice in my head told me to move right now. Quick. Mm. If I had stayed in that chair a half a second longer, I would have been decapitated. There's no explanation. Wow. I was trapped in an elevator with two killers. I, my, the voice in my head said, get out just as the elevator doors were about to close. Where did that voice come from? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Out. And I learned five minutes later that a woman had been killed in that elevator a week before her body had been found in a dumpster, her throat had been slashed and the two guys who did it matched the description of the guys I was trying. Wow. So as I said, there are things about me that are a little peculiar. I, obviously, I relate. <laughs> uh, thank you. I obviously was born with some awareness that I still am learning to deal with. But I have come to the realization that that voice, that intuitive voice that talks to me, that has saved my life no less than seven times, is to be trusted no matter what my brain tells me. Mm -hmm. To trust that intuitive voice is very difficult. But I now know, no matter what my brain says, if my intuitive voice or what people call my gut speaks differently, that's the voice I listen to, not mm -hmm. The information I get on the internet, not the information I read, not the information my brain is telling me to, but the voice in my gut, because I know that that intuitive voice in me is directly linked to the voice, the power, the creation of the universe. And that can never be wrong. Trust the gut. Yep. And 37, anytime I've gone against my gut and I look back in hindsight on my original thoughts on people or a job, I say, I knew it. I knew it. So I guess the final thought would be trust your gut. See if you help people make you feel how situations and places and don't ignore it. <laughs> don't ignore it. And uh, the final that's body, that's your body responding to the vibration, mm -hmm. the energy around you. That's your body hearing the voice of the creator. Always trust it. It will never, ever be wrong. Mm. Yeah. I got to say, I got to say, so my shallow answer there, it's 628 and final. Where can we find you, your website, your social media? 
I have a whole bunch of social media sites. I have a website written by brookjones.com. Brook has an E on the end of it, and it's all one word. And on that website, you will see a little video called Her Story. That's the story of my many years in radio in Los Angeles and San Francisco and my fight with breast cancer and a whole bunch of other things. Um, I do memes on a, a site called Camp Mima Day. Um, I used to be a political satirist on stage, uh, but since cancer, instead of stand-up comedy, now I do sit-down comedy, and I create political satire memes, and you can find them at facebook.com slash camp meme a day, and lately I've started creating memes that talk, that, mm. that's kind of fun. Um, I have a blog, whatif.com blog but if you go to my website written by brookjones.com there are links there to everything including my youtube channel and my blog and my line of greeting cards which are the most twisted greeting cards you have ever seen cardboard greetings and they're at the card outlet but again my website written by brookjones.com will take you to all of those places and the one other thing i must say is because surviving breast cancer is one of the many things that i survived that there's really no explanation why, uh, because I wasn't diagnosed until it was pretty far along. Mm. But I give a portion of everything that I do from the sale of this book to the sale of my greeting cards to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Yes, that. Oh, very nice. And other questions for God. And a Every a percentage of every single sale of the book goes to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. And if anybody wanted to contact me, ask me a question, comment on the book, you can go to my website, written by brookjones.com. And at the bottom of the page, there's a contact form and you can send me a message. And I work really hard to respond to the emails that I get. I get a lot of them, but I, I like answering them. And you're very busy. Looks like Perhaps you are serving God. <laughs> so my last question to the audience, rhetorical question, you can ask this to yourself. How can I serve society? How can I serve God? I hope you enjoyed Brooke Jones. I certainly did. I love the book. And now back to more. It came from the radio. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the comic book school may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step -step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. This is Charlie Saladino from Came From The Radio. I'm here, I'm very happy to be here and honored uh, to be here with Dave Donovan. Dave is the showrunner for the Hurricane, which I am at for the first time, and I am totally impressed. Uh, Dave, how are you today? I'm doing great, Charlie. How are you? Dominic, I love you, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. I am, I am so amazed with this con. It's, it's become one of my favorites, one of my favorites. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about it? 
Absolutely. So as Mark knows, we told the story that the Huracan is a response to Hurricane Sandy. Bethany was the relief center for the area. The, the floor in the church got destroyed by everybody coming in. We had to get it redone. Came up with a couple ideas. I asked a couple of local shop, uh, store, local uh, cons, do you want to do one at the church? They both said it's too small. I go home to my wife, Linda. She says, I said, we can't do it. She said, why? I said, nobody wants to do it. She said, why don't you do it? I said, why would I want to run a comic book convention? She looked at me. She's like, why would you want to run a comic book convention? That's how it became. So it's our third year. We did it 2018, 2019. Couldn't do it. 2020, we couldn't do. 2021, we're back. We've had a great response, great raffle table, great. The vendors are fantastic. They're all happy to be here, happy to be out with people. Yeah. People are spending money. They're happy. It's a beautiful thing. Right here in East Rockway, not Queens, Nassau County. I, I got to tell you, I am very impressed. It is, it is not the smallest space I've seen for, but it's it's a small area, but it is so packed with talent that it's not even funny. And this is talent we see in the big ones, uh, you know, in the big cons, and they're all here and they're all happy to be here, and no, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I was just talked to a vendor now. You know, when you have to ask a vendor for money, you're always like, what's going on? He's handing it over, saying he's having a great time. He says people are being nice. They want to talk. They want to talk about the books they're buying. He's happy. If he's happy, I'm happy. But it's beautiful. Everybody seems to be having a good time. And it's just, it's a whole, it's not a comic book convention. It's a comic art convention. And we try to symbolize, we try to uh, look at local artists, get them in the door, get their wares out. So we have people that paint here. We have people that, that are uh, doing woodcuts. You name it, they're here, having a good time. Everybody's having, that, that, that's the main thing. It's a good time. I'm not here to have a bad time. As Mark Torres said to me a year and a half ago, he said, David, he walked around with his camera, and he said, David, what's wrong with you? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, David, I've been to a million shows. When you see the person that's running the show, they're running around, they're screaming, they're unhappy, yeah. they're scowling, they don't want to talk to you. You're walking around with a big smile on your face. And I said, Mark, because I'm, I'm having a good time. Everybody's having a good time, and that's what it's all about. Come in here, have a good time, have something to eat, meet my whole family. They're all here. My mother, my Aunt Mary's here, my cousins, my brother, his whole family, my kids, my wife, their girlfriends. Forget about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because that's the vibe. Everybody is having a good time. Look, they, I don't want to keep it because I know you're very busy and I appreciate the interview, but tell us how uh, they can find out more about this Huracan. You can go to Facebook. We're on Facebook under Huracan. We're on Instagram under Huracan LI because there's also a Huracan, I believe, in Florida. And I want to say one other thing about the church, Bethany Church, Bethany Congregational Church, this church. This is what is known as an open and affirming congregation. Anyone is welcome through these doors. We don't care about your other religion. We don't care about your preference. We don't care about the color of your skin. And that's why that open and affirming thing moves into the comic book convention. Everybody's welcome. The doors are open. It's always been that way with comic conventions. And we want to keep it that way and just keep it going. And if you ever want to go to convention and feel the love, Huracan. Dave, thank you so much for the interview. And we'll see you again. My pleasure, Charlie. You're a pal, Charlie. I'll never forget you. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. All right, Mark, back to you. Hey, guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. 
text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. So, hello. Uh, we're starting this interview right, right now. I'm Jenny Feldy. It's my stage comedian name because Jennifer Feldman is too serious and people take my jokes seriously. So it's Jenny Feldy where they came from the radio with actually some of my favorite actresses. I mean, we have Vanessa. You've been one of my favorite actresses for a while. So it's very cool for me. I'm not really get excited or a fan of most. And Adam Sherman. So anyway, we're here to discuss this movie. And what is the movie called? I'll let you introduce it. <laughs> Yeah! Wow! Yeah! We can't do it at the same time. Natasha, Natasha, you'll start. start. What movie is this? What movie is this? This game's called Murder. Okay, so I like to go. We're here with Natasha Henstridge, and we're here with Adam Sherman, the director, and Vanessa Morano, all extremely talented. I watched the film today. Very impressed. I'm going to get right into the detail because I love the detailed questions. So here we go. The first one, Vanessa, we'll start with this one. Simple. Um, Vanessa, I think you're one of the most captivating, most interesting actresses of all time. Um, I loved you playing a dentist's daughter in a film. My dad's a dentist. And I, I even screenshotted that. Part and I was like, I'm just a dentist's daughter. It was, it was really cool. Anyway, so this movie, you ingest a pill that gives you limitless energy. So what are some things you do or eat to stay sharp while filming? Oh, well, uh, you know, when I starred in Limitless with Bradley Cooper, uh, and we figured out that that pill could access a different part of the mind. Uh, we really all started talking about this. We were like, hey, what's up with how you stay in shape and do everything and keep your light alive within you? And I sleep. Sleeping. Oh, how much do you sleep a night? <laughs> oh, God, if I can sleep 10 hours a night, that's a good night for me. Me too. Me too. I need a lot of that. Okay. So curious because you did take a pill here, but it didn't really last for that long. I don't want to give away the movie. And you're a very heavy drinker. Is it about my movie? Oh no, we're gonna get into it. Don't worry. So the so next you're question you're referring to the pill at the very beginning of the film, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Adam Sherman, don't worry. I got lots of questions that are technical because I'm also a filmmaker. So we're gonna go right to you. The lighting. The so lighting in the film. Uh, thank you, Vanessa Sherman. It's all, don't worry, we're getting the attention on you. So the lighting, loved it, reminded me of my club days. I'm 37. I gave that up over 10 years ago, clubbing in DC and New York City. So curious about uh, the insight of the lighting budget or how many grips and gaffers and lighting techs were needed just to accomplish the very cool lighting. What movie are you talking about? This movie, this movie had very cool lighting. Oh, this game's called Murder. Um, yes. yes, do you not think we, so? We, we had a crew of about 100 people. Okay. You know, um, very qualified grips and electricians and um, <laughs> and they did a great job. Yeah. You know, with the, 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 you know, and um, we were shooting in some very challenging locations, um, mm -hmm. including like out in, away from LA and um, in remote locations um, with, with the Santa Ana winds blowing mm -hmm. and, and also like underground, like four stories underground in downtown LA and like abandoned subway tunnels. And these people um, brought the lights and the electricity into the places that it was needed to be brought underwater 
um, underground, uh, out into dangerous locations with high wind. It was mm -hmm. very much, um, very much a uh, like like these guys knew how they, they know how to do their, their jobs and and then in terms of uh creativity of course then you just go for it you know okay we hit the ground running beautiful film aesthetically beautiful we're gonna come back to you and natasha i would say uh you play a bit of a femme fatale a villain in this film um oh. I, you're kind of villain. i didn't approach I didn't approach it like that at all. I thought she no. was having a fine time. I didn't think she was trying to be bad. She was just needed to get what she wanted. <laughs> no, she was trying to be bad. You're right, you're right. I'm like, what, I was like, oh, where am I on crazy pills? You <laughs> uh, <laughs> got to. Um, what are your inspirations to play this kind of scary, villainous, murderous, crazy uh, character? Like kind of, I didn't have particular people in mind, but I was like a mix of like a desperate housewife mixed with a psychopath on acid. Do you know what I mean? It was that, mm -hmm. you know, with, with some mental health challenges and some, and I, and a lot too many people guessing her her whole life and, mm. and not enough attention from her husband and, and those kind of things. And so I just did that and went like bigger <laughs> with it all. I just kind of went much bigger with it all so um no specific this movie is so hard to, to for, for me it was really hard to to go i'm drawing from this and pulling from this because it's such heightened reality you know the film mm -hmm. is such heightened reality and as you saw because visually it is such an interesting film and adam's all of adam's films have a interest you know interesting visual aspect to them for sure so yeah i can't say specifically but just desperate housewives Okay. Uh, desperate help not the show <laughs> i know some of those girls they're gonna be no, like what are you talking about <laughs> right right but you know a desperate housewife um uh with some derangement and and a lot of too too many people yesing her is what i what i get coming. yeah i always say that there's a lot of men i know that their mothers yes them a little too much and they turn into monsters they, they can be there a bit of a problem so yeah. back to the film we get more about me later i feel like i'm surrounded by people who have holes uh, drilled into their brains. I, I really do. And this has been the motif of my last few days. So question for all of you, I guess we can go around and start with Adam um, and then Vanessa. What was the dumbest move or mistake during this production? Or was it just a smooth birthing? Was it smooth? <laughs> Adam? For me, it was hard, like pre-production and some of the people that I allied myself with during pre-production may have not been the best people or maybe they were and maybe it was just we were tackling a lot you know it was a it was a very low budget movie and we were tackling uh we, we were tackling a big story with a small budget and you know i feel like um the people that i started working with um did a great job and 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 maybe um maybe through their their hard work is how the movie got made mm. or maybe some of their mistakes was my biggest mistake I, I don't know but that that's 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 where i'm at with that so lesson lessons learned it sounds like 
And uh, Vanessa, your your dumbest move while on set? My my dumbest move probably was that beautiful, visually stunning plastic purple coat. Mm-hmm. Not thinking through all the ADR that I might have to do because Ooh. I was a liar on plastic. <sighs> also not thinking through plastic on your body is uh-huh. pretty warm. Uh, yeah. So it was a warm, warm situation. But you know what? It's all good because it looks great. It does. It really does. It like sticks out of my mind. But I definitely, when I tried it on, did not realize how often Jennifer wears that in the movie. <laughs> oh my. Did you pick that or the stylist? The stylist picked it. Uh, our costume designer, Robert, was just came up with these insane, visually crazy things that I'm sure Adam inspired to a degree because Adam has a very specific visualization of things uh but it it was crazy to be especially in the underground location of downtown Los Angeles wearing a plastic coat my god a lot of sweat yeah (laughs) I just bought an infrared sauna so you had some detox going on it sounds like maybe the stylist had it out with the sound guy or sound people yeah I know there was a definitely a a war of the worlds there (laughs) Okay, and Natasha, your uh, your dumbest move had any. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna talk about. I was involved in this move, but I'm gonna call it somebody else did it. But <laughs> I was involved. Okay, I'm gonna say it was their dumbest move. But and it's a cute story. But I was doing a stunt at the very end, the last day of filming for me, and they had a stunt person lined up, but it was just catching some gold and falling into a swamp, Dis- Disney Ranch or something. I think Disney we were in Disney Ranch. Ranch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to do this thing and they had a stunt person there and I'm like, I got this. I'm, I got this. No problem. No problem. No problem. And I had to catch the gold and fall into a swamp. Huh. Um, and I fell in. It all went great. It all went perfect. But the guy was so scared because I had to go in there and then look like I'm struggling with weeds and stuff in the in the in the swamp. Mm-hmm. And it looked obviously too good. So he rescued me way too fast. I don't know oh, if I made yeah. it in the movie. I haven't seen the movie yet. But he plucked me out. I was like, I just landed. I just landed. What the hell? She did great. She did great. What happened is that she 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 did a wonderful job. It was a cold, windy night. She threw herself into the swamp. Wow. And the lifeguard saved her rapidly because she was acting like she was drowning. So really, it was, it was it was it was she didn't do anything. Really Everyone that's, did that's their exactly job, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but he saved me too. So I told him, I said, "Don't worry, I'm gonna be fine. Give me some time. I want to. I want to struggle. Could you use the shot, Adam? In the end, I don't even know. Absolutely, you did. It it was cut right to the frame where the lifeguard enters, and the whole thing was used up until there, and it's completely fine. I love it. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. You're falling into the swamp scene is beautiful. Well, that's great oh, acting. People really wanted to save you. I had I've that never choice. seen anyone fall into a swamp that well. Aw, <laughs> you can put that on your resume. <laughs> yeah. um, Sir Sherman, I think we're almost out of time. So maybe this might be the last question. Uh, Sir Sherman, your favorite part of directing this film? Uh, working with these two lovely ladies was my favorite uh, part. And also getting to meet you. 
well, we'll we'll say that when we're done. We're almost at the end, so okay. <laughs> um, okay, here a wacky question. Um, all right, so I really liked um, Vanessa said this. Jennifer, my name's Jennifer. She said, uh, "So are we going to do this, or are we just going to start talking really quickly?" That's how I feel with coffee dates. A lot of people ask me out on coffee dates, so I always pretend I'm married. I can't stand it because I feel like if I'm going to have coffee, we're going to do something. We're drinking coffee. What are we doing? We're going to just sit there and talk really quickly. So I just the random question here. I want to think what what are your thoughts on coffee dates? I'll start with Natasha. <laughs> Random question. You know, if you do a hike and you add in the coffee after the hike, I guess I can get on board with that. During COVID, that kind of worked out well, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with them. I'm good with some good, good organic or bulletproof good. Co- it's got to be good stuff, though. If no? you're hiking, yeah. I'm good with it. So I'm you're good. moving, um, you're hiking, you're staying in shape. Hiking, moving, you're staying in shape a little bit. Okay. Well, Vanessa, thoughts on coffee dates? Pro-coffee date. I'm very pro-coffee, but like we already established in this interview, I like my sleep. So if it's a coffee date, it's an 11 a.m. coffee date. It's not, we're not not doing a traditional breakfast. 100%, 11 a.m. or later, same schedule. And Sherman, Adam Sherman, your thoughts on coffee dates? It's all about who you're having coffee with. Mm, Okay. Like, uh, you know, the coffee could be good. The coffee could be bad. The most important pers- thing is who are you meeting? Mm. Why? What is your intention? How does it feel to be with that person? You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's you're talking about a meeting and your intentions and their intentions. And it's all about why and who they are. Mm-hmm. And is that a satisfac- satisfying experience to you i guarantee it's the coffee will not be the most important part of the situation sometimes it is depending yeah, on the exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well they haven't cut me off yet but they're gonna cut me off in 12 minutes so i guess i'll just keep going unless you guys put your hands up we'll please stop um for one more jen okay okay thank awesome last question there's a lot of masks in this film I probably counted at least 15 masks are definitely a motif. All different types are very interesting. Um, You know, we're all in the entertainment industry, myself too. Um, What are some places, do you feel that you have to wear masks um, just in life or do you feel that you can be real? I guess I'll go with Vanessa. I was going to say, well, now, yeah, legally, I have to wear a mask. Yeah, legally. But like, um, you know, being fake or do you feel that you can be a real person as a public figure? a hard time hiding my my inner thoughts I have a face that reveals what I'm thinking which can be a gift and a curse yeah um, so yeah I find that uh quite difficult to actually put on a mask okay. uh I think it's actually probably I don't know I think it might be an asset to actually have that ability uh yeah. to detach and be able to kind of you know be a different person Mm-hmm. In certain situations. Well, I you're a good actress. You could do it if you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you don't you don't pull on the skills unless you're getting paid. Right, right. And Natasha, do you feel that you have to constantly put masks on to deal with people and humanity or you're able to be authentic? Because it's a hard I, balance for me. I, I feel like I'm very, very authentic. And most of my friends would say, you give it to us straight right away. That being said, you know, you do, we're sitting here and we're doing hours of interviews today. If I was really in my 
self and I'd be a little bit lazy and a little bit tired and there's a little more up and there's a little more effort. And so I think we wear masks in different ways, depending on who we're around all the time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I'm a completely different person, but you're bringing a different part of yourself on some level. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the final part of the interview, Adam, you feel you have to wear a mask or you just real? Absolutely not. I do not wear masks. I'm cannibalistic. <laughs> well, I would good. rather eat someone else's face than disguise my own. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I feel I'll that. Throw it on a grill and cover it in barbecue sauce and um, flip it a couple times. And then. <laughs> Are you going tonight? Because I'm getting scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. I feel like this interview has gone in many different directions. It's been like a roller coaster from start to finish. Yes, yes, yes. I've been pulled on like shrooms, so I guess this is like you get what you pay for, and it's not it's not much. (laughs) Well, thank you guys very much for this interview. Have fun. I hope the process is great. I really enjoyed the film. Surprised it's low budget. I really wouldn't have guessed that. I I thought it was very beautiful. And uh, it's right behind me, but I guess it's on pause. You can't. But I tried to catch the lighting on the film. So thank you very much. And adios. Have a great night. If you had any honor, you would listen to sci-fi.radio. The sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla. Hey, it's Marissa Jade, your favorite mob wife, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts. Or you can buy us a pizza. Just go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com, and click on the Buy Us A Pizza link. Leave your comment there. And we'll read them on video. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our website, www.itcamefromtheradio.com. Listen to archives we up in a week or so. Check us out on such places such as btdradio.com or our social media pages such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google It Came From The Radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio.